1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
0: hi i'm anna and i'm caroline and welcome to seriously the new statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously
1: This week, we're talking about Greta Gerwig's film Lady Bird and the BBC police drama Collateral.
0: Caroline has also watched the BBC3 comedy Young Offenders for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. Oh, Caroline, there's one thing I did want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Last week, I went to see Hamilton, which was incredible.
1: So I'm going on the 21st of
0: March. I think we should talk about it, even though we'll be really late.
1: Yeah, I think we should do. I think we should
0: devote an episode to British London Hamilton, because it's definitely worth talking about in detail, isn't it?
1: Yes. So I feel like what, two years ago maybe, when Hamilton first blew up on Broadway. We got loads and loads of emails from people being like, when are you going to talk about Hamilton? And we were like, we'll never, we're never going to see and, it. And our, we we took the view that although we like listened to the soundtrack and really liked it, I've read the book as well. We were like, well, there's no way we're ever going to see it. So it would be weird if we were to critique yeah. it. Whereas now, eventually, in about a month's time, we will both have seen it. So exciting. Very excited about that. So look forward to that in a well, yeah, that'll be like end of March. Probably won't we'll be able to talk about it. <laughs> if I've finally seen it. Great. The other thing to point out to look forward to, listeners, is next week's episode, the 27th of February, is our second book club episode for which we are reading The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Caroline is so excited. About I'm this so book, excited guys. about this book. I have so many thoughts about it. I've seen a few of you tweeting. Saying that you're reading it, so the, have
0: I. People are getting into it. I think on seriously Twitter.
1: Yeah, the author Stuart Turton is like super asking ex-
0: people what they think of the book. <laughs> he's so no, excited if to I was like, hear author, people's thoughts. I would like not want to know anyone's thoughts. I'd be no, like, I keep them to yourself, guys. Not interested.
1: <laughs> I know, but he's he's like <laughs> really open to just hearing. Of, I think because he told well you'll hear when um you, we play the interview next week but he told me that he's currently working on his next book so he wants the feedback uh, which is another like detective story but set in a completely different period and very kind of different but i think he feels like if he if he made any major cockups in this one he'd like to know now would like to know wow well
0: a solid a respect for
1: that guy mm. that's really cool but yeah so it's still time to
0: grab your copy
1: and have a read
0: so you can join in next week yay So I'm so excited for the first thing that we're going to talk about this week. I've wanted to talk about this for so long. We're going to talk about Lady Bird, a coming of age drama written and directed by Greta Gerwig. It stars Saoirse Ronan as Christine Lady Bird McPherson, a 17 year old in Sacramento, California. Through the film, we see her handling a difficult relationship with her mother, played by Laurie Metcalf, her desire to fit in with the cool set at her Catholic high school and her interactions with boys. I was really excited about this film long before I saw it because I just feel like it's one of those films that that kind of has me women my age seriously written all over it and then i saw it finally a couple of months ago at a screening it came out it's one of those films that we got so much later than america yeah, which is annoying it's really annoying it came out like last in November, year in america in america yes um we finally get it on the 23rd of february but it is out already in some in cinemas some places, in the uk yes. but if it's not looking available in your cinema at the time of listening to this on sort of tuesday it probably will be at the weekend so mm-hmm. keep your eyes peeled Yeah, so this is the first solo film directed by Greta Gerwig and written solely by her as well. So she's co-written and co-directed a few films at this point. So she's not a stranger to directing Mm. it by any means, but this is her first sort of movie that is like, this is my film with my sign off on all the details. And yeah, Saoirse Ronan's in the lead and what an amazing pairing they make. It's such a beautiful movie.
1: It is so beautiful. I have to say, I deliberately didn't look up that much about the background of how it got made before watching it. But afterwards, went and researched it. And the first thing I Googled, because I thought I already knew based on the film, but I was right, is, is Greta Gerwig from Sacramento? Yeah. Because I was like, there's... I think it it would be really hard for someone who wasn't from a town to have made such a sort of loving portrait of a place. Totally. Because Lady Bird, the main character... There's even a scene where one of the nuns from her school talks to her about this because she writes her college application essay about Sacramento and sort of about her desire to leave Sacramento behind because she wants to go to college on the East Coast and like leave California. And periodically she says like, oh, I really hate Sacramento. But actually in hating it or thinking that she hates it, she has this incredibly detailed observation of it. And in the end, I think she realizes that she loves it. Yeah.
0: Yeah and it's one of those tricky things isn't it because i think the personal touch is all over this movie mm. in the specificity of it so yeah like in the details of how sacramento is portrayed but also in just like little life details like the books that timothy chalamet's character is reading and the specific clothing mm. all these t- there are just like so many like little tiny details where you're like oh the f- the fact that you're talking about clove cigarettes in this way definitely comes from some sort of personal experience but at the same time a lot of people have been like oh this is clearly an autobiographical film which is a comment that women especially women directors early in their career and women writers early in their career always get and I think Greta Gerwig has been quite resistant to that and been quite like hang on how do you know this is autobiographical what do you know about my autobiography?
1: Well, I have to say that wasn't my thought it wasn't is this about her life it was more just she clearly has a very deep knowledge of this place mm. and of people like these which has enabled her to mm-hmm. make a story from it if you know what mm-hmm. i mean it never really even occurred to me that like oh she probably had an upbringing like
0: this i have no yeah, idea exactly um i still don't know Yeah. And i don't really want to and there are things to. like you know financial hardship of this particular Mm. family and other things which i have no idea if they map onto her experience at all so the film takes place over one school year in ladybird or christine's life it's her final year in high school and she's applying to colleges it's such a kind of defining and iconic year i think for everyone whether or not you enjoy it whether or not anything of note really happens it's just like such a big year in your life because it's that midpoint between childhood and adulthood. It's so a very classic time used for coming of age films. In a lot of ways, this is a very traditional coming of age film in that sense, in that it's tonally like between comedy and drama. It hits all the key points in mm. the year. You've got Thanksgiving, Christmas, prom. It hits all the classic struggles, which are like, Am I doing well enough in school? Does this boy fancy me? Who are the coolest friends that I can have? Yeah. Am I in the right social circle? Am I going to wear the nicest dress I can to prom? And like, what am I going to do with my life after school? Is there more than just my background to aspire to? So I feel like this film has been talked about as though it's very groundbreaking in lots of ways. In lots of ways, it's kind of not. In lots of ways, it's kind of a very traditional coming-of-age story, but as we were saying, it is so in the details and in the emotional Truth of the film that makes it so special, and I think for me, as there's just something in how all the how like the the, the 2002 setting is handled, and how mm. there are no characters in this that I think the script is very generous in that it just gestures towards every single character and is like, oh, this person has more going on; they're not just a two-dimensional support character for Ladybird. And the most obvious place that Greta Gerwig does that is in the relationship with the mother. The mother's a very, very three-dimensional fleshed out character. I think Greta Gerwig has said she wanted the mother to be the main character in a kind of sneaky way mm. that you don't really realize. But I think it happens with so many characters in this film where you're like, okay, well, they seem like the best friend, sidekick, but then you get, they get extra lines that just kind of gesture towards this whole massive interiority that Lady Bird's maybe not thinking about, but it's there nevertheless.
1: Mm. Yeah, there was a, a line in Julian Simpson, who's a screenwriter, I subscribed to a newsletter he does called Infodump, and he had a little paragraph where he wrote about it this week where he said that in Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig does a lot of things that are actually very hard. And makes them look really really easy Mm -hmm. and he thinks that as a result it won't necessarily get rewarded with the kind of awards and stuff it deserves Mm -hmm. because she's made making a very fresh story in a traditional Mm -hmm. model look really really simple Mm -hmm. where he was saying like as someone who's been writing films his whole career i can tell you it is not easy Mm -hmm. and that i hadn't even thought of that but i think that's true you're right it's not really groundbreaking in the sense that she hasn't like invented a new genre or I don't know what you would even call groundbreaking in films these days Mm. but it is a very familiar set of tropes Mm. but it's just done in such a way that you feel like you're seeing it for the first time totally you feel like oh I've never watched a a film about a young woman deciding where to go to college before Whereas obviously you have
0: yeah and I think one of the things that is really amazing and something that I don't think I've really seen done in this way before is the editing I think it's such a well edited Mm. movie from the outset it's it's obvious I think really that you're going to see a full year in in this character's life but it's so densely packed that I think almost every scene in this film is like under a minute long Mm. which is very unusual and you get so many of these flashes of almost like montage like sequences whether it's people auditioning for the school musical or Christine's mother sewing her prom dress or you get all these like little moments and I think it really does just give you this sense of When you're that age, time just runs away with you. You feel like you've been building up to moments like prom for so long and then they just happen and they're gone before you can even Mm. think about it. And there's that sense of movement and time really overlapping and all these things unfolding in a way that Christine doesn't really have any control over that I find really amazingly done because you just, even if you only get a little flash of her and her friend doing something, it feels really specific and you're like oh wow i totally understand mm. like like that scene where they're eating
1: communion wafers communion I was wafers just thinking and, about and talking that, about yeah.
0: masturbation and it doesn't actually have any real significance to the plot but it's such a great little moment to have and without it their relationship would be less textured and there's a few things like that even just like christine swimming in the pool with like the cooler girl mm-hmm. who's like well i'm never gonna leave Sacramento." Things like that, they're just, they're they're actually not that significant in terms of plot, but you really do need them for other things. And I don't know, I was just like kind of sat there. The first time I watched it in the cinema, it was just like really washing over me, all this stuff happening. And it like means that you get this building up of emotion because you feel very like you know where her life is going and what's going on without actually having to have it spelled out for you at all.
1: Yeah, I was talking to a friend about it recently and she asked me, did you cry in this film? And I was like, yeah, I did, but not at the point- It was point one of, long cry. It was one <laughs> long cry, but it was not at the point where I thought I would. The bit where I cried was the bit where was actually, so in support of what you say about the mother really being the mm. main character, is when she like drops her off at the airport to go to mm. college and they've had a fight because Ladybird didn't tell her that she was applying mm-hmm. to schools on the East Coast and the mother's really worried about what it's going to do for the family's financial situation. And so she doesn't get out the car and then- she drives off and then she realizes that what am I doing like I have to say goodbye so she drives back round and like runs into the airport but she's too late and yeah yeah it that just made me
0: <laughs> yeah I think so many of those quieter scenes like you say that have lots of Sacramento in there I don't know anything about Sacramento I've never been to Sacramento mm-hmm. but what I do know is having that very specific relationship with place which is like oh my god I can't wait to get out of here mm-hmm. when actually you look back and you're like I didn't want to get out of there. It was actually like so beautiful and such a nice place to grow up and it has specific, you know, resonance for your life. Like it gives, I think Greta Gerwig says it gives you what, uh, what a place should give you, which is roots and wings, Mm. like somewhere to be from and somewhere to want to go. Those are the moments that made me kind of just like have a quiet weep in my chair, like not really knowing why, just all the kind of like really beautiful shots of Sacramento, that, that montage scene right at the end where it's both. Both of
1: them driving. Driving is amazing.
0: So, yeah, I mean, we haven't really talked that much about the plot of this movie, but I guess that's not really the point.
1: That's not really the point. And also, I think if you're going to see it, which you all should, you want that to unfold for you.
0: Yeah, totally. Also, I just we should say it's so funny. It's like a very broad comedy in lots of places, like very kind of silly they're doing this musical merrily we roll along, and there's loads of kind of like very silly physical <laughs> comedy and other kinds of comedy. I like love the joke where um Julie and Christine are arguing about, you know, Christine like having cooler friends. Julie's yes. like her best friend. And she's like, You didn't even show up to musical theatre rehearsals and you've been given a really big part. And she's like, I didn't even get a part. They just made up a part because they didn't want to give anyone no parts. And she's like, you got the part of the Tempest. And she's like, there is no Tempest in the Tempest. And Junie's <laughs> like, it's the titular role. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, like, it's So so. there are loads of things like that that just really made me laugh. I also, some moments just make you laugh out loud with recognition. Like there's a scene where Lady Bird's losing her virginity to Timothy Chalamet and she has a nosebleed and le- literally I was like, drag me. <laughs> <laughs> that has so happened to me. And it's just like, there are so many little moments like that that are really silly, really funny, but... The whole picture with these little sketches of, uh, of an entire year just add up to something really moving, mm. which is why it's so great.
1: Yeah, it is really, really good. I hope it gets lots of recognition and awards, but my hunch is that Julian Simpson is right and it probably won't.
0: Mm. We'll see, eh? Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm.
1: Now we're going to talk about Collateral, which is a four-part police detective drama on the BBC, written by David Hare and starring Carey Mulligan, Billy Piper and John Sim. The story begins with the shooting of a pizza delivery man on a London street, an apparently straightforward crime that in fact conceals a multitude of secrets.
0: So Carey Mulligan, as a kind of police detective, is not Mm -hmm. really a role I was expecting to see from her. But here
1: she is solving crimes. Yeah, I have to say, I haven't really researched this, but my hunch is that she's in it because of David Hare. She's done several of his plays, and I think they, like, they're
0: probably mutual fans. I aren't think they're they? mutual so,
1: fans, and I think they found that they work well together. Yeah. So I think when he made this, again, slightly unexpected departure into TV, she
0: came with. We're seeing a lot of, I feel like, British theatre people doing lots mm. of TV at the moment. Jack Thorne has done so much TV in the yeah. last few years, and he's obviously from a theatre background. And I do think you can hear it in dialogue often.
1: Yes, I do think that's which true. Which is,
0: is stagier.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's something I, interesting that I found about Collateral is that whilst it does have all of the trappings of a police procedural, mm-hmm. such that we're very, very familiar with, it doesn't actually really have that feel when you're watching it because it's so much more, I don't want to say cinematic as a like loaded term, yeah. but just cinematic in the sense of like, Dramatic and even melodramatic and in the way it's shot and all this kind of stuff, which slightly took me aback when in the first ten minutes or so because I was like, but you know they're like detectives and they're ducking under the tape to look mm-hmm. at a crime scene, but then also somehow they're talking to each other in a way that I don't think police detectives would ever do. Yeah, there's no impulse to realism,
0: I suppose. yeah, exactly. and I think people have kind of criticized the Carrie Mulligan character in that sort of way. For not being like, are there any actual Mm. police women who behave like this? But then sometimes that's the joy of of characterization is like, why is this unconventional person doing this job? So I I don't want to critique it for that too early. But basically, we do get some, some of her backstory as she's looking into this murder of a pizza delivery man, which is that she's a former... Uh, famous like olympic level athlete and a former teacher i know and i Which kept, a, I kept waiting for more explanation
1: of that and it just in the first episode at least it just doesn't arise also she's quite pregnant yeah and at no point does anyone really mention this or like <laughs> explain it or, or not that it has to be explained but just like i don't know i feel like in real life someone would at least be like are you all right? You haven't slept at all. And now you're working a full day. Yeah. Wouldn't you
0: like to sit down? Isn't her, her fiance or husband or is in the morning, he's like, Oh, can you really do this? She's like, Oh, I want to. And then they cut to her smiling in the cab, which is always a shortcut for like, she is really, really like a workaholic. And really, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel like there's so many things where someone smiles and you're like, Oh, they actually love it. Like in action movies, yeah. like in a um, search party where she's like running down the street and then she like smiles and you're like, Ooh, you're really obsessed mm. with this crime solving. But when I see it, I'm always like, maybe she's just read a funny meme. She's thinking about a meme she saw earlier. That's exactly Could what I be not I so deep.
1: I really enjoyed that little scene where Carrie Mulligan is just smiling to herself in a car mm. and like being driven through darkened London. Because, um, yeah. you know, she's a great actor. thinking about some
0: and... great sex she had the other day. Yeah, that's, but
1: that's exactly how it struck me. I was like, I haven't been told enough about you to know why you are smiling. <laughs> so I'm just going to write in my own idea, which is that like someone did a funny fart or something. Yeah, exactly. Simple.
0: really funny so it's it's kind of like full of classic british actresses isn't it Mm. it's like and actors so you've got billy piper kerry mulligan john sim it's pretty heavyweight casting which is fun and i really enjoyed john sim in this as a kind of like senior labor party politician he's the his constituency seems to be like kensington
1: well, it's Battersea is, is where it? it's filmed, but I don't know where they're actually pretending it is. That was something that, like, very niche concern annoyed me about this, is that there, there was quite a lot of, like, people going across bridges in the wrong direction and then arriving at places that That's are... That's classic. Yeah. For London so trials. there was a bit where, like, John Sim went across a bridge from south to north and then arrived at a place that is in the south yeah. of London. But, you know, no one apart from me cares about that. He meant to be like an inner London MP. Anyway. Yeah,
0: and... I found his characterization slightly annoying because he's just like, oh, it's the middle of the night and I'm going to look at some papers, Mm -hmm. i.e. working. And then, um, you know, his girlfriend or whoever is like annoyed with him about it. And he's like, hey, you think you find the Labour Party annoying? How do you think I feel? (laughs) And you're like, oh, God, (laughs) that's some really raw dialogue.
1: I did find it interesting the slight political divisions that are hinted at Mm -hmm. because David Hebb has written fairly regularly for the New Statesman about like contemporary politics Mm -hmm. and so we do know that these are like his own personal views that he's putting into Mm -hmm. it because like there's a scene where John Sim is watching an interview that his party leader is doing on television, and she's kind of saying like, you know, we do support controls of our borders. Yeah, she's and-
0: refusing to commit to like, to any sort of left-wing yes, ideology and he's for getting- fear of putting off voters, basically. Yeah,
1: and he's getting really angry about it while he's watching it. So mm. that that I thought was interesting as a... Not that that's specifically the Labour Party's division at the moment, but it is a division in politics. The yeah. idea between like, you know, big cities where everyone's like really pro-immigration and thinks it's great, and then the problem of politicians who have to appeal
0: to people who don't think that yeah yeah and if anyone's interested in caroline and i's taste in men we both think that john sim is like extremely fit in this He's as, as so the kind hot. of like middle class <laughs> labor mp that's I don't so know. embarrassing <laughs> i know i know
1: there's a bit where he wears His a glasses. black t-shirt and glasses yeah which he looks is great really um, nice
0: go, smashing it john sim well done i also wanted to shout out sorry we've talked so much about casting but i really wanted to a kind of British actor who's not in loads of things is in this that I really like. His name's Nathaniel Martello White. He plays DS Nathan Bilk. So he's the sec, kind of second in command I to thought Kerry Mulligan. I he was really good. He's really good. I really liked him. He's been in Kiri, which I didn't think was great. Mm. But he is in this film that I'm so obsessed with that I think I may have talked about before called Daphne, which was like a, an independent film all, all shot around where I live in Elephant and Castle. And he's the, the love interest in that. And mm. he's so good in that. And yeah, he's he's great. So I really enjoyed seeing him in this doing uh, a, a kind of nice, interesting role where he gets to have lots of kind of like spiky back and forths mm. with Kerry Mulligan over whether he's being politically correct or not and that kind of thing. So that's quite fun. So the, in terms of the mystery element, spoilers for the first episode and the first episode only, because that's what we've watched. The twist that kind of comes halfway through this episode is that the murderer is a woman mm-hmm. and she seems to be in the army. Yeah, and she's seemingly knows what she's doing because she seems to have worn like a full body rubber suit in order yeah. to commit the crime. And uh, it's all very kind of like efficiently organized, almost gone girl-esque without the passion. Mm. Uh, you know, very, very meticulous, very serious, very I've been planning this for a really long time and I know what I'm doing. But we're no closer to sort of understanding why on earth she's interested in killing a pizza delivery person.
1: Yeah, we don't know whether she's acting in her role as... captain in the army or whether she's sort of freelancing in some way also we don't even know so the the guy who died who it turns out is a syrian refugee who was sort of working illegally for a pizza delivery place we don't even know if he was actually really the person Mm -hmm. who was meant to die because for shady reasons that are not fully explained yet the pizza delivery dispatch woman at the last minute, chose to send him on this job instead of the person who was meant to do it, mm-hmm. this other lad, who was then obviously really freaked yeah. out. And because he came down the steps like wearing fairly generic like motorcycle clothes mm-hmm. and a helmet, did the woman who was doing the shooting even know who she was killing? Mm. We don't know yet. So yeah, there are all these kind of, uh, as you would expect at the end of a first episode of four, like all these unanswered questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In lots of ways, I realised this... In terms of plot, it reminds me of the early series of Spooks. I don't know if you ever watched. So my family was obsessed with Spooks when (laughs) I was growing up. We all used to watch. I was definitely too young to watch it, but I was allowed to anyway. And in the first few series before Matthew McFadden left, Spooks wasn't so much what it became, which was like this grand, quite big scope conspiracy theory thing it Mm. was quite like small and the team would like solve like small individual terrorist attacks and stuff mostly in central london Mm. and this kind of reminded me of that a little bit because it used to have also spooks was one of the first i think programs on british tv to use a lot of like split screen and multi-angle which is not something that this show does, but it does move the camera around a lot in quite unexpected ways. Mm.
0: One of the tropes of this, the style of cinematography, is that it will be unfocused for ages Mm. on someone and then focus in on them. Yeah. Which sometimes I understand because it's like, oh, this is the murderer and we don't really want you to see what they Mm -hmm. look like properly. But other times I'm like, okay, this is kind of a bit, I don't know if I like it. Mm. (laughs) I'm like I'm rubbing my glasses.
1: <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of times where I was like, am I sleepy or is this? <laughs> yes. Oh, the other person we should mention is in this is Nicola Walker.
0: Yeah. Who plays a vicar with personal problems. She's like problems. not a normal vicar. She's like a cool vicar. because yeah. She wears trainers and she's like gay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And she's a woman mm-hmm. and she works for the church. But yeah, she's actually really good. She's really grounded in her performance, so, mm. which stops it being too gimmicky, which is nice. But there's I feel like sometimes there's something slightly self-congratulatory about that kind of casting, yeah. especially because they like show you her like Putting her trainers up on the pews in the church is <laughs> <just> the opening <laughs> shot, and she says something like, Oh, I am in the shit. And you're like, Oh, she's a vicar that swears. And then there's some more swearing later. and But yeah, she's it's, it's nice watching her. I think she's got some quite good chemistry with John Sim, which is, yes. you know, not in a sexual way necessarily, just acting chemistry. So that's been quite nice to see. Mm. Are you going to keep watching it, do you think? I don't know. I watched it with my housemate, and she fell asleep for half of it, <laughs> which maybe dampened my enjoyment of it. But I was a bit like, do I have the energy for this if it's not gonna I feel like the BBC have done so many programs lately which are glossy and have big names Mm -hmm. and look good and then actually are quite disappointing as they go along and it's not limited to the BBC actually there's just been a few programs like that that I've watched lately where I've been like oh this really wasn't worth my time in the end so I might might do the the lazy critics thing of not really engaging with it unless it suddenly starts getting really good reviews and then tune yeah. back
1: in I think I'm gonna try and watch the second one um I think I had a slightly more positive reaction to the first one than you did mm. so yeah I'm I'm gonna watch the second one but I reserve my right to bail after that if it gets yeah. too silly essentially
0: <laughs> totally So last week, Caroline and I watched Young Offenders, which is a BBC Three comedy series, but it is based on a 2015 film of the same name with the same cast. The film was based on a real, real news reports of was it half a ton, a ton and a, a ton half, and a I half think, yeah. of cocaine washing up on the coast near Cork, and I think it just did so well in Ireland that they they wanted to see if they could you know keep running with it so it's now a series of short 20 minute to half hour episodes it's very broad it's very funny and it's very kind of uh, rooted in its setting in Cork in Ireland and it's about two best friends kind of getting up to no good and it's funny to learn that it was based on a film because there are these kind of like quite action heavy sequences Mm. that do feel slightly more cinematic in in the kind of I feel like there's quite a lot of British films in that kind of taking the piss out of action movie veins, in that kind of hot fuzzy vein. Yes, definitely. Um, there's elements kind of-, of
1: that. Like I really thought of hot fuzz actually when. So they their like long term nemesis is this policeman, uh, or or garda who has who only has a bicycle and they have bicycles. So they just chase each other around on bicycles a lot. Which is really funny. Which is really funny. Uh, It's just inherently comics seeing a policeman having to chase someone on a bicycle. Mm. And then in the first episode, Jock and Connor, the lads, are stealing lead off a roof and they get kind of cornered up there. And so they end up trying to jump from that roof onto the next one and everything goes like slow-mo and then they fall down a gap between the buildings yeah. and fall onto some buildings. I bags. thought that looked
0: like a CBBC sequence. <laughs> do you <laughs> know bit, the old yeah. like in 2004 they used to do like CBBC trailers or like mm-hmm. yeah. adverts and it was always like people's heads kind of cut out and everyone would like move kind of weirdly set to Basement Jacks, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, it kind of had that vibe. But it's it's intentionally so. It's like not trying to be super slick. It's trying to be everything's very colourful and very kind of larger than life, Uh, including like, you know, their silly haircuts and costumes right down to all the details. So it's kind of inviting you to suspend your disbelief and go along with something more farcical. At first, I found it maybe a little bit jarring. And as it goes on, I find... For me, the quieter moments in this comedy are the funnier bits. Yes. The, the kind of like conversational, silly elements rather than like, oh, lol, they've jumped off a building. Like, I'm not really laughing at those bits. They're kind of more plot for me mm. and they're by the by. But for example, there's a funny conversation where the policeman has kind of got them cornered over their alibi. They have an alibi for stealing the lead on this roof. And it's, oh, we went to the cinema. And they like, like <laughs> what film did you go and see? And, and this is it uh Connor's, it's Connor's mom mum, yeah Connor's mom is like one of the Batmans I don't know which one and then, <laughs> and then uh Connor's like Batman too. <laughs> <laughs> and then this guy is like you know that came out about 40 years ago it's <laughs> really it's like there's just like little moments like that which are really silly and funny that that's probably the best stuff
1: for mm. me Um so we actually in the week between saying that we were going to watch this and us now talking about it, we had a really great email from Marguerite about it, who says, Excited to hear that you'll be watching Young Offenders. As someone with both parents from Cork and having spent many summers there, it's great to see a programme where Cork is the backdrop and a character itself rather than vague Irish countryside. Mm. And she actually says, I think the best starting point may be the film. Because in the film, the longer format also features much of the Atlantic coastline, which is possibly her favorite place on Earth, she says. So I really want to watch that now. She also makes an interesting comparison, though, with a play I think you saw recently. She says, it's also somewhat of a breath of fresh air that heavy drinking isn't an element that's beaten to death with the Irish stereotypes. Mm. I recently went to see the ferryman, Mm. which was brilliant, but the excess drinking and swearing of an Irish Catholic family gave myself and my parents an uneasy feeling because it seems like that's what British people still think of us.
0: Yeah there is is sort of like you know men in their 70s coming downstairs and having a shot of brandy or whatever a whiskey or whatever first thing in the morning mm. and like everyone's having one as though it's like totally normal which I don't think is the case for many. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think just that level of pure alcoholism is is very common amongst family dynamics really. I don't know uh, Ireland particularly well I've got I've got a lot of Irish family and so I do go to Ireland but I can't pretend to have spent loads and loads of time there to have a like, particularly intimate connection with the country but it's obvious that it's like we were talking about with Lady Bird and Sacramento mm. you don't really need to know the place to be able to tell that the makers of this show have a, an intimate connection with it and really do care about the place so We're seeing a lot of that coming through at the moment in lots of different areas of film and TV. And I'm really, I'm really happy about, especially in the UK. I feel like we've seen so many shows that have a really deep regional Mm. um, connection and are really doing their best to show people who might not be from that place why that place is interesting and why it has cultural relevance. And I think that's like so nice. It's really nice to see.
1: Yeah, I think it's really good. A bit like Marguerite says in the email that. It's really nice to see something that isn't just set in a like generic island but a yeah. specific place. I feel, yeah, I feel like that's happening everywhere. That whereas maybe it used to be the case that things were either set in London or elsewhere, yeah, and the elsewhere was not really very well defined. Totally, it's, we were talking about
0: Dairy Girls in relation yeah. to this, weren't we? Which is also a specific time and place, but
1: it also makes me think of Clique,
0: yeah, as well. Clique, we watched in Edinburgh, that it makes me think of this country, which is yeah. the Cotswolds and. There's just a few that have been in that thing I mean, also in terms of drama, if we're bringing things like Cleek into it, I feel like Kiri and Bristol, mm. lots, of, lots of good stuff outside of just like London that is getting proper. But
1: also lots of different things as well, because I think you could maybe have said before that when something needed like a gritty, mm. sad backdrop, it would get. So um, I know this is very different because it was very much based on two-story, but the three girls, the thing that was based on yeah. the Rochdale yeah. grooming case, like that setting was the kind of thing that you might see a fair amount Don't of. It's like it's gritty and it's poor and yeah. it's the backdrop for this whole tragic story.
0: Yeah, or you see like Morse in mm-hmm. Oxford, like in this very kind of tweed, not necessarily actually connected to real people yeah. way. So yeah, it's really nice to see people being like, hey, this is an interesting multifaceted place that has drawbacks and mm. positives. And it's yeah, it's really
1: mm. nice. So yeah, I really liked Young Fenders. I'm going to keep watching it. It was really exuberant. I laughed loads during it. Mm. And yeah, the central characters really made me laugh. So yeah, I really like it. And I definitely want to go back and watch the film as well. Yeah, we need, we need mm. to. So we are having a week off Recommends because next week we're doing the book club. So consider The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle you'll recommend for next week. And yeah, and then we'll be back on the usual thing from then.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the
1: show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show.
0: If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there.
1: We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're seriouslypod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you Enjoyed on the show.
0: We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com.
1: And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.